guys, and welcome to the Bodybuilding Dietitians Podcast. Thank you for joining your hosts, Tierra and Jack, what is now episode number 145, and bring you guys another Q&A. We're going to jump straight into question number one, which is thoughts on the whoosh effect. How long should you wait it out for weight loss if weight loss has stalled, but you know you're in a deficit? Good question. So the whoosh effect. I feel as though anyone who's ever commenced a dieting phase, anyone who's ever coached anyone who's undergone a dieting phase, or anyone who's just somewhat involved in health and fitness has probably heard of the whoosh effect, eh? Yeah, it's a very common phenomenon, even if people might not know it by the whoosh. Yeah, so, and usually it gets that nice sound effect as well. You don't just say whoosh, you go whoosh. <laughs> with a big sh at the very end but the whoosh effect kind of summed up is what it says there in that you feel as though you are in a calorie deficit so technically you should be seeing your scale weight go down but unfortunately your scale weight's probably just not playing ball and you have hit a bit of a plateau for a number of days in a row but then finally you wake up one morning and that scale just goes whoosh and you get a big drop. Maybe you get a drop of like 500 grams or more. And ultimately, you knew that things were happening behind the scenes the whole time, but it just took your body a few days to get the memo and really reflect that on the scale. But I think it's also important to clarify what the whoosh effect is not, because I've certainly seen this infographic floating around on social media that has this big title across the front that says the whoosh effect. And it's trying to talk about what's apparently going on inside your body physiologically, particularly with your fat cells, when you experience the whoosh effect. And the theory is, is that you start off at maintenance or perhaps you're even in a calorie surplus, you put yourself into a calorie deficit, and yes, you are losing body fat, but your scale weight is not reflecting that because while the triglycerides are coming out of your adipose tissue, that adipose tissue and the cells are then filling up with water. So you're maintaining your scale weight, but then you get this whoosh and the water then excretes out of the fat cells and then that's Easy finally that. reflected on the scales. Yeah, so that's apparently the theory, but if you know a thing or two about human physiology, you'd know that that doesn't really make sense because adipose tissue and triglycerides in themselves, they're hydrophobic, which means that they repel water because a triglyceride means tri, as in three. So you've got three fatty acids and then they are attached to a glycerol head. So fatty acids in themselves, they're hydrophobic, they repel water, but they need that glycerol head in order to actually be polar and to be able to transfer around the bloodstream and throughout different parts of the body because that is a polar environment. So when you actually think about it, it doesn't make sense for a fat cell to fill up with water because fat cells are simply just cells that can store energy for us. Also, your fat cell doesn't just go away because you can't reduce your number of fat cells. They mm. just shrink. Yeah, exactly. They get absolutely microscopic. But essentially, your fat cells aren't filling up with water because fat cells would be repelling water, if anything. And I think like the cells themselves can only hold like perhaps 3% water or something like that. That's something I read somewhere. 
But either way. Not the, on the same post, I hope. <laughs> no. <laughs> the whoosh effect is not happening because you are losing fat, but then those cells are filling up with water and then they are excreting that water. That's not necessarily what's happening there. But we do know that the whoosh effect, it is a thing. I know you and I have both experienced it. Yeah, certainly. And I think another important point to consider is that although we might like to look at the body in a very formulaic way and a very objective manner, it doesn't always mean that X or A plus B equals C. Like just because we introduce a deficit doesn't mean we're going to lose exactly this amount each week by putting ourselves into exactly a certain amount of deficit, which will equate to this amount of weight loss. So mm. we can't always expect for things to follow through very, very smoothly. And I guess to answer the question itself, like how long should you wait out to wait for the whoosh to see if it will happen? Yeah, and that is certainly a reasonable question. And personally, I I think it's context dependent. Particularly, I'd say the, the main two situations here would be if you've got someone in a calorie deficit, if they have a time specific goal and they're working toward a very specific deadline, like a competition prep, compared to if someone is just like a lifestyle client and they're just trying to achieve this as part of their general health and fitness goals, but it doesn't matter if they achieve it by the 21st of May or the 28th of May, like that's not gonna make much of a difference for them. So I'd say that if someone is in a prep, plus you're controlling a hell of a lot of variables, hopefully, so that you can manage situations like this. And if scale weight does stall, you can know that all of these other variables are being controlled for and factored in. So you can pretty confidently say, yeah, if scale weight has stalled on average for the past week, then we probably should be proactive and do another push, whether that means slightly dropping calories or slightly increasing expenditure if you still need to drop more body weight. But I'd say if it's more of a lifestyle client and scale weight has stalled for a week, I'd usually be under the impression that maybe let's just, you know, kind of tighten the reins on a few of our variables, give it one more week. And then if it's still stalled, then maybe we do need to make an adjustment to the plan. Mm. Yeah, I think also just because it might feel like you're in a deficit doesn't mean that you actually are in a deficit, Mm. especially some people have very fast metabolic adaptation. Other people will take quite a bit longer to adjust to a calorie drop. And therefore, especially if you've been dieting for quite a significant period or you are already quite lean, then, and you have low energy availability, it's kind of always gonna feel like you're in a deficit until you reverse out of that and potentially gain a bit more body fat or just begin eating at maintenance. Yeah, that's that's a really good point to make. And I think that both you and I have been in situations like that before, especially in the depths of prep when energy availability is lower and you are on a decently low amount of food and you don't have that much body fat on you, but you haven't quite hit the mark yet and scale weight has plateaued. Sometimes you just gotta suck it up and do that last little push, even though you're like, oh, like it already hurts. Mm. (laughs) You just gotta suck it up and you just gotta do it because Ultimately, you you just can't deny and you can't be in denial of what the data is telling you. Yeah, something else that I was thinking of, it's the only other thing I can conjure to mind, but think about objectively what your lifestyle has been like the past week. 
So for example, if you've been sleeping on a very consistent schedule, your meals have been very consistent in terms of their composition, also your meal times as well, your hydration, the time of weigh-in, all of that, if that's all stayed consistent and you haven't dropped body weight, that could be a further sign that it's time to make an adjustment to your nutrition. Whereas if you've been waking up at different times, if you've had average sleep, if you've had gotten up in the middle of the night and you've drunk a liter of water or if you your meal timings have been off all those different variables and you haven't dropped weight like that's kind of more of an, a reason to leave it a little bit longer because mm-hmm. i think playing around with those variables that input uh, influence scale weight if those are all mixed up you can expect weight loss not to be quite as linear yeah absolutely and that's why i'd say like If you're in a prep from the get-go, try your absolute best to control all of those variables so that you know that scale weight generally is going to be correlated with tissue weight and not huge fluctuations in hydration status, in food bulk, all of those sort of things. But of course, if, if you are more undertaking this as a lifestyle, I think it's feasible to be a little bit more flexible. But absolutely, before you go changing the plan, make sure that you are actually hitting all of aspects of the plan. But even then, in a prep, you definitely can still control those variables and still experience that whoosh effect. And I'd say it's it more so happens toward the tail end of prep, actually when you are at a pretty low body fat and like your body just becomes quite easily stressed out. I, I know that I definitely experienced this in my first IFBB prep because... With my nutrition, I was doing five low days and two high days. On my five low days, my carbs would be like 150 grams. On my two high days, they would be at 325 grams. And I was doing that for a number of weeks on end. And because I was tracking all of my data, I I started to identify these trends in that even on my lower carbohydrate days, Throughout the week, it almost like my scale weight would just plateau or sometimes even slightly increase. And I could feel the fluid in my own body. And the way that I could actually identify this is because when I was going to pose at the gym, I would put on my heels and my heels would actually feel quite tight. Like the strap, I would have to put it on like a a little different hole and my feet would just feel like really swollen in my shoes. But then when I would increase my food the following two days, I relaxed a lot more. I would notice that I would be going pee more during the day. I was getting way better quality of sleep. Digestion as well, we have to really factor that in and that's why it's important to be comfortable talking about these sort of things, especially as a coach with your clients. Like, hey, how's your digestion? Have you gone to the bathroom today? Because there's no denying that if someone's a little bit backed up or digestion isn't very regular, that's obviously going to influence your scale weight a little bit. And it's very normal as energy availability gets lower, the body's trying to conserve energy. It's not dedicating as much energy to gastric motility. And some people, unfortunately, wind up feeling a little bit constipated. Mm. But that's why it's really important to actually identify these sort of trends and then you can actually be at peace with knowing, okay, yes, during these days, I know I'm in a deficit. I know I'm gaining that compound interest, but it's probably not going to show and actually be reflective on the scale until I actually chill out and eat a little bit more and get a better quality night's sleep. But ultimately you have to track data for weeks and weeks on end to actually identify that. Hey guys, just a reminder that we offer coaching services, which you can find on our website by searching The Bodybuilding Dietitians on Google or via the show notes below. 
We coach anyone with a health and fitness related goal. Even with some of my clients, like we identify trends that throughout the week, their scale weight might just hold stagnant. And then they get that big whoosh on the scale come the weekend because they sleep in, they're more relaxed. They can wake up at a later time. Again, they might have a bowel movement before they wake up because they're not waking before up. Before they wake up, that's not ideal. <laughs> you know, they might have a bowel movement after they wake up, but compared to early earlier in the week, you know, like a lot of people, if they work that nine to five job, they get up quite early. And then, you know, they're a little bit rushed in the morning trying to get to work. They're at work all day. And then they've got a train late at night that might push their last meal quite back late. But then on the weekend, you know, you're in more control and you're a bit more relaxed. Meal times change a little bit. You're not eating so late at night. So you just have to factor in all of those things. But again, it just comes down to tracking your data, controlling as much as possible. What if you're, do you have any clients or yourself like where you might, because I always say, wake up, go for a number one, weigh yourself. But what if you need to do a number two? Doesn't that <laughs> skew the scale? You just, I wouldn't recommend holding it. Do what you gotta do, man. Mm. <laughs> but maybe factor that in. But again, I have such like great relationships. That would be a fake whoosh, wouldn't it? No, like, but if you, if it's you real. <laughs> you you can't fake that. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. The enteric nervous system isn't autonomous. Like... Mm. Or it is autonomous. You can't. You don't have control over that sphincter down there. I don't know, but I have such like comfortable relationships with my clients that they'll tell me these sort of things. They're like, "Oh yeah, you know, I think my scale weight dropped this morning because I actually went to the bathroom," or like, you know, "Oh, I haven't actually gone to the bathroom since you know Monday or something like that." But again, these things are important. Like people, Ate too many protein bars. Ah, oh, but people feel so uncomfortable talking about you know going poo when it's a very normal thing to do. It's a very healthy thing to do, and you feel better in your own body when you have good regular digestion. Mm. So you do like to talk dirty <laughs> <laughs> and smelly. <laughs> but either way, guys, the whoosh effect—it is a real thing. So this next question says, "What to look for to know." if someone has enough muscle mass for the first show? Good question. So what would you look for? Great. So I actually got asked this on my story and I think this is a good opportunity to flesh it out in a little bit more depth, but I'll start off with what I kind of said on my story and then we can elaborate on that a bit more. But ultimately it depends what category or division you want to do. So of course, men's fitness, there's going to be a significant difference compared to men's bodybuilding. And also your muscularity isn't everything. Like we know that some people with amazing shape can trump people, even if they're potentially less conditioned, or especially if they're more conditioned than people with larger, more muscular physiques. Mm. So that's really important to also assess like what category you want to do, how would you kind of rate your genetics or muscle insertions or general shape and then of course how would you assess your overall muscularity and I think the easiest way to do that would be if you have social media check out some of the winners like check out how they looked on stage but also check out what they looked in their off season as well mm. and ultimately it's really important to remember that this is a very subjective sport yeah I think when it comes down to being a bodybuilding and a physique coach a huge part of that is having a trained eye and really teaching your eyes for what should I actually be looking for 
within a person at different phases of their journey. Like what should it look like if someone has a quote unquote good starting body composition for 25 weeks out from their show? What it, What is that actual look? And the only way that you're going to train your eyes to actually know what that looks like is if you are heavily involved in this industry. You know, if you are going to shows and you are actually seeing the caliber of physiques on stage and who's actually winning these shows, what is the standard for every single division? Not mm. just bodybuilding, not just bikini, but yeah, men's fitness or women's figure, whatever it may be, you need that trained eye. But then also you need to keep your eyes open as well for people on social media too. But also when you're at a posing workshop as well, if you're at a posing workshop and you're it's 12 weeks out from the first show and you're seeing everyone, you can kind of tell, okay, who's gonna, who's, so, who's on track? Who's probably gonna be in condition by their show? Are you talking about the first time competitor there or the coach? I'm talking about the coach having mm. a trained eye because this question's kind of asking as a coach, what would you look for in a client to be confident in saying, yeah, you have enough muscle mass to compete? Right. I interpreted it as, like, I know the person who asked it, he's more of a coach, but I was interpreting it as more of like, how would a first time competitor know themselves? But mm. I guess two different answers then. Yeah, I would definitely say get a second opinion, which mm. both you and I both did before we actually did our shows. Mm. Uh, we got second opinions from other people who we trust and saying, which category should I enter into? Because that's mm. that's the other thing. That's Especially that's the beauty of ICN is that it has so many different categories to accommodate for athletes with different levels of muscularity and different structures and different shapes and the whole shebang. So even in my pr m most recent season, I still got asked like, oh, what, what category are you doing, <laughs> man? Like, I know not everyone obviously knows our journeys, but like, mm -hmm. do people really think I was going to do men's fitness? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. But again, but that might just come from them just not knowing too much about the sport. Mm. And also we just have to accept this is natural bodybuilding. <laughs> yeah. I could have done men's fitness if I wanted to. I, I, yeah, who knows? But I think it just, it really comes down to experience and just teaching yourself to have that trained eye for what should you actually be looking for. But it's something that is actually absolutely imperative if you want to be a bodybuilding or a physique coach and you want to have athletes have good prep journeys and also you want them to step on stage and actually be competitive. But it's great because that doesn't mean that competing can has to be completely off the cards for someone. Like for me, I might get a female come to me and tell me that they want to compete and I can assess their physique and actually identify, okay, like this, does this person have enough muscularity to be competitive in the fitness and the sports bottle ranks? Do they have so much muscularity that they would be competitive in the figure ranks? Or if they just want to compete and they don't haven't quite built that foundation, perhaps should they go more into the ICN bikini, ICN swimsuit ranks? So there's a hell of a lot of different options and that's just the females, but of course it goes the exact same for males, all mm. the way up from men's fitness, all the way up to bodybuilding. There's a lot of different categories in between. Mm. Yeah, I think something also to consider is what you wanna get out of it because mm. not everyone wants to win. Some people just wanna participate and enjoy that journey as mm. much as they can. So. Like, for example, I might say to someone, hey, you don't really have enough muscularity for this particular category. Like, and they might say, I still want to do it. Yeah. And like, if they have a genuinely a good starting point, 
and a good support network and all the other variables for comp prep, then mm-hmm. I'm not there to tell them that they shouldn't do it. Yeah. Like as, as long as I filled them in, hey, you're not going to be particularly competitive with your current level of muscularity mm-hmm. to do bodybuilding. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that if a coach tells you that, that shows that the coach genuinely cares about you too. Mm. And from the get-go, they're being very honest with you. Yeah, there's nothing... Like imagine a coach like blowing window up your ass for 25 weeks straight saying, hey, mate, you're going to win. You're the bodybuilding be- <laughs> open. <laughs> yeah, and then you, you don't place and you get asked to step down into men's fitness. It's, it's not particularly good for your ego no not at all uh but yeah it, it just really comes down to having that trained eye but of course it really... and i'm not saying that men's fitness is a step down it's they're just different categories mm-hmm. just thought i'd disclaim that mm-hmm. but also knowing what to look for too if you know that oh this person doesn't quite have enough muscularity to enter into this category but let's say that they really wanted to compete in bodybuilder and they really wanted to compete in men's physique then you could say, okay, hey, this is the standard. Here's a few examples of competitors who have won these past seasons. This is their level of muscularity. This is their stats. And this is how far off you are from that. How about we get a plan in place where you could go through an improvement season and build that level of muscularity. And then we can undergo a prep. Mm, Totally. Yeah. I think that's a good strategy. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, but again, you got to keep your eyes up to date because the standard in this sport just keeps increasing, increasing, increasing. So people just keep raising it. Mm. Great. So this next question says, what would be your last meal on earth? (laughs) I just, I'm not food focused enough right now to answer this question. (laughs) Mm. Me too. (laughs) Do you have... uh... It depends on the scenario. Like if it was... If I'm going to die the next day, then I, yeah, I'm not food focused to be worrying enough about what my last meal will be. I'd rather do yeah. other things. Yeah, me too, man. Because like, you're about to be dead. This is a do much you really need energy to die? <laughs> in, this would be more suitable in one and a half years to ask. Yeah. When we're in prep. Uh, even we had questions like, what are going to be your post-show meals? But remember, mm. like we were getting asked that question before we'd actually done our final show. And we're like, man, I'm not even thinking about the food. I'm just thinking about competing. Yeah. Uh, if I was to have one final meal, though, I think I'd want to have a lot of flavor. I'd want to have a lot of variety. Am I allowed to say a Club Med buffet? Sure. <laughs> All right, I'm going to get myself a nice hot plate at a Club Med buffet, and I'm going to go around and I'm going to get a little pick of everything. And if mm. anyone's ever been to a Club Med buffet... I don't think many people have. Oh, and perhaps a few, but... It's... What about the Sheridan buffet? That was good. Nah, Club Med absolutely dominates over the I would the say Sheraton. the Sheridan was fancier. The Club Med just has more variety, much more variety. I love the Club Med variety and I love the Club Med buffet because they have so many different cuisines from different cultures. So they'll have mm. like an Asian section. They'll have like a French section. They'll have a German section, whatever it may be. Of course, they have a Western section too. You, ju- you kind of just grouped like one continent, like Asia, and then you went and listed two different countries. No. Asia, French, <laughs> Germany. <laughs> okay, well, I can't name every single cuisine, but what I'm trying to say is the food is mighty good and lots of different flavors, and there's just a lot of different options. Mm. So if I was going to... If I was about to die tomorrow and I just had to eat a had to eat a meal, I'd probably want to go to a Club Med buffet and just again enjoy a plate of food, but not spend too long eating because I'm like, what? More a better question is, what would you do on the last day that you die? Mm. Well, I, I need to say what I'll eat. Okay, what would you eat? <laughs> so I'd probably have some pizza. Mm-hmm. It's just I haven't had pizza for a long time. I actually 
can't remember the last time I had pizza. Mm. I don't think I've had any pizza this this year, this whole year, and it's still 2021. I haven't had any pizza after prep. Can't believe that. Even when we were doing all of our rest day roasts, we never did like a rest day pizza Mm. or anything. Yeah, they're a bit hard to track. Not that that's an excuse. (laughs) Yeah, I need to have pizza sometime soon. Mm. Hit up. We need to hit up Zachary's pizza with with pineapple on it in Noosa. Yeah. (laughs) And then I would probably have some vanilla ice cream afterwards. Mm -hmm. But yeah, that would be me. And I'd make sure I have the dogs with me as well. They would (laughs) share the pizza with me. (laughs) That's very sweet. (laughs) Have to get a bit of kangaroo on that pizza. Maybe a bit of carrot. (laughs) Mm. That's what they got fed today. Some carrots. But a good question. What would you do on the last day that you die? Uh, probably a bit too morbid for my Wednesday midday. Really? Yeah. Can't think of anything? I guess the fairly generic answer of spend time with your friends and family. Mm. Maybe get a last gym session in, but probably not. <laughs> Man, I feel like I would just do a few things that might terrify me. Like, mm. And I'd try to get my family to come along too. Like, like I'd love to go skydiving. Like, mm. I think that'd be really cool because like... That, that terrifies me, but it's something that I've always wanted to do. Then you kind of run the risk. You're like, oh, well, if I'm going to die skydiving anyway, I was going to die anyway. So might as well jump out of the plane, right? Mm. Sure thing. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I'd feel like I'd just run around doing some active things. But, you know, maybe I'd need a Gatorade or something <laughs> <laughs> just to keep me going. I don't know. <laughs> well, also, this is our final episode of 2021. <gasps> you're absolutely right. So maybe we also did get asked a question related to like, what were your highlights or what are you thankful for in 2021? Because we have done quite a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, what comes to your mind? Well, it's been a big year. Like I'm very proud of what we've accomplished, like our personal goals in terms of competing. And I think we both learned a lot from that comp prep and what we can improve upon for next time. And I'm also pretty happy with how successful I was in that season as well. Like, I think I'm personally very inclined, as you know, to kind of look at what I didn't do as opposed to what I did do. Mm. But I did get like two classic physique overalls, which I was very happy about. And like, I sometimes forget that that happened. Mm. And I mean, from a business perspective, I am very proud of what we've done on social media. I think it's, it's very easy to motivate myself to produce content for tbd instagram it's much harder on our own personal instagram yeah i think that we've definitely stepped it up a notch for sure this year with tbd with obviously you just falling in love with canva and just really getting onto that content and just having a set schedule every single week and brainstorming new ideas and it's certainly paid off we've been able to help a lot more people we've been able to connect with a lot more people and Compared to this time last year, our content wasn't nearly to the same standard. And also, it just wasn't being shared as broadly. Mm. Now, it's it's not uncommon for us to get quite a few shares with a lot of our posts, people sharing them to their stories. It's, it's amazing. And what's been really cool is also like our website, I feel as well. When we went through our prep and we got to do all those awesome photo shoots with Nelson, that really let us obviously have some great content to then redo our website Mm. which has been really cool and being able to put all of our educational content from instagram onto web the website with the blog as well yeah i'm very proud of like sometimes blows my mind how we share a particular infographic and we get like 
uh, an absolute buttload of saves and shares, sometimes more than the, the number mm-hmm. of likes that it gets. And yeah, big thank you to everyone who interacts with our content. And like a few years ago, I think we we started posting on Instagram maybe in 2018 <laughs> in December. So it's been like three years now yeah. and we're closing in on 10,000 followers, uh, which we'll probably hit in the next couple months. Yeah. And it, it's like overtaken the success of our own personal accounts, which is a huge milestone mm-hmm. for me because like I care a lot more about the business than my own personal account. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's just a good reminder to everyone else out there that, you know, you're not necessarily going to have one big break. Like mm. with this podcast, we didn't release one podcast episode on Instagram. We didn't put out one infographic, even if it would have been a great episode or a great infographic, like you have to keep showing up. You have to stay consistent. You have to keep producing content. And ultimately, you have to keep doing the reps and laying down the bricks one at a time. You can really build something really great over time. And that might help you then finally break through and really start getting noticed and really put your foot down and kind of make a mark in this health and fitness industry. But it just takes time and it takes work and it takes persistence and takes teamwork, my man. Yeah, it does. (laughs) But I think that's our ultimate goal with TBD is like, we want to be at the forefront of the bodybuilding industry for like evidence-based nutrition and training. Certainly. Yeah. That's definitely my goal across all platforms. Yeah. So that's been fantastic. Just TBD in general, and obviously working alongside so many of our clients as well, taking a lot of people through improvement seasons this past year and then helping them prepare for the stage come 2022 and 2023. I think that's going to be pretty freaking awesome for this next year. We paid off our hex debt from uni. Mm, that's very true. Yeah. yeah. Big milestone. Yeah. Pretty darn proud of that. I bought my Jimny. <laughs> yep. Although technically that was the very very end of 2020 <laughs> mm. we also did the comp prep seminar with sna which was awesome oh that was great yeah with alex and kyle and joey and brandon even scott gobel yep. <laughs> that was that was epic dude we even released our first apparel line this year with the tvdts we've we've done a lot mm. it's been a very busy and fruitful year mm-hmm Hey guys, just a reminder that we post regular informative content on both our Instagram and YouTube channel. So make sure to go over to those platforms and search The Bodybuilding Dietitians. See you there. Mm, Yeah, it's been a big year. Mainly, I think most milestones have been related to bodybuilding and, Mm -hmm. and business, but I think we're just at the phase of our lives at the moment where that's just dominating the scene, which... Kind of, I think, goes to show like how much success we've had in those areas. Yeah, absolutely. So it's been super special. And uh, yeah, here's to 2022. Should be Mm. another great year. And I guess we'll have to cover off our goals for 2022, perhaps in our next Road to 2023 podcast. (laughs) Maybe that'll even be better. But yeah, each year just keeps getting better and better and better. Well, let's finish on something that we learned this past week. Okay, something that I learned... More so something that I discovered, and you actually pointed this out to me. So on my Spotify account, these past few years, I've been adding a bunch of songs to this playlist that I've called IFBB Bikini Posing. And I was showing it to you the other day. I'm like, hey, Jack, this actually has, it says it has a few likes on here. And it turns out that quite a few hundred people have actually found my playlist and 
they like it too. So I've got like 270 likes on this IFBB bikini posing playlist, which I think is kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. Especially you haven't promoted it or anything. You haven't put it on your socials. I didn't even know that was a thing. Like I didn't even know that it was public or that other people could find it. But now Mm. I do. So hell, I've got a playlist called IFBB bikini posing. And if you guys want to practice your posing to some great Beyonce hits and all those, it's, it's a lot of the different songs that they're going to play on stage. And there's no better way to practice than to try to actually replicate what it's going to be like on stage. And also I highly recommend that when people pose, pose to some music, pose to a beat, particularly if you're doing bikini posing, because you just need to, you need to get into that headspace with that rhythm to really, you know, feel that sassiness and feel yourself and, mm. Yeah, so IFBB Bikini Posing on Spotify. Look it up, and if you like it, tune in. <laughs> but what I you... won't be tuning in. <laughs> uh, maybe I'll have to secretly like it on your account. Okay. <laughs> I know you like some Beyonce. <laughs> no, I, I can safely say I do not like Beyonce. Oh, yeah, right. I think the only Beyonce song I've listened to is in Halo. In the shower, the other day you were singing Bootylicious. Oh, yeah, totally. <laughs> All right, Jack. I think I'd rather sing some Screamo or attempt Screamo than Beyonce. Please don't. Please keep the peace. (laughs) Oh, what did you learn this past week? So I learned, well, it's not really something that I learned more of just a theme, but like sometimes you just have to take some time off and really embrace some relaxation. And I think I can, we'll discuss this more in Road to 2023, but we've been feeling a little bit detached from training as of late. And if one of my clients said they'd been feeling a bit detached, then I would say take a full week off and just go on your rest day macros and rediscover that drive for training again. And that's kind of what I've been doing since like my last training day was on Christmas day. And like I only had a five week block and I was just feeling absolutely rubbish towards the end and like physically and mentally towards training. So I'm just taking like a a full week off and maybe jumping in for a quick full body session. But yeah, I need to kind of kind of feels like I'm in prep at the moment where like you're having to kick your ass to get to the gym. Mm. And like, I don't want that to happen in the improvement season. So Mm. I, I know it's more psychological than physical. So I think when we look back on the past year, we can see that, okay, like we haven't really had any time off. We haven't had a holiday. We did a whole comp prep. We reversed out perfectly we didn't take any time off training during that period and even when there were the random snap lockdowns Mm. we still got a bunch of gym equipment and we're still lifting weights in the dining room like yeah it kind of takes you that time to actually look back and reflect and go like holy cows you know like i actually do need a moment or two to catch my breath Mm. yeah so that's what we're taking now and yeah. we've got a holiday booked not for another six months or so but <laughs> hopefully time passes fairly quickly bring on club med man yeah. <laughs> all right well good for us i'm glad you know and we'll enter into 2022 very refreshed and mm. i guess we'll see you guys on the other side see you in the new year right yep all right well thank you guys very much for listening to our last episode of 2021 hope that you enjoyed it if you did please remember to take a screenshot post it to your instagram stories tag jack tag myself tag tbd and we'll see you in 2022